0: I want to start out talking about your heavenly account. The way I got stirred up about this is a couple of weeks ago, we went to cap cat meeting, the speaker, and uh, you couldn't really say, I don't guess, what he ministered on, but he spoke a lot of profound things. And he said something, and it really went off in me, and he said this. He said, your heavenly account should be more real to you than your earthly checking account. Your heavenly account should be more real to you than your earthly checking account. And he began to talk about how when we give an offering, how we're depositing in a heavenly account. And then he didn't say a lot more about that, but I want us to look at some scriptures tonight because the Word of God, the New Testament, bears that out. That you literally have a heavenly account. You have an account in heaven that God has opened for you. And in Ephesians, if you'll turn there, we'll start in Ephesians. Because God wants you to be able to get some things out of your heavenly account. He wants you to be able to get what's yours out of your heavenly account. You will not have any need for a heavenly account in heaven. Your account is in heaven, but when you get to heaven, you won't have any need for it. So you need to be using it now. Because here's the place you're going to have need for it. In heaven, how many of you know there are no needs? Y'all know that. Y'all realize there are no needs. And even as we talked about Wednesday night, all the things, the glories of heaven, the mansions that we know that God is building for us, the banqueting table that we're going to go into, that marriage feast of the Lamb, and that banqueting table that He's setting, He doesn't need our account to do that, does He? He's financing the whole thing. He's financing the party. He doesn't need our account. So let's look in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Let's read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Well, you know, you might say to that, Yeah, I see that, Debbie, but that's spiritual blessings. Sometimes when we say spiritual blessings, we nearly think God just makes feel-good blessings. God just wants to make you feel good on the inside, like feel good in your, you know, in your spirit, man, in your heart, and that's what a spiritual blessing is. But that's really not what a spiritual blessing is. What a spiritual blessing is is a blessing in the spirit realm. It's a blessing that exists in the spirit realm. That's a spiritual blessing. So let's think about that verse in light of that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings or blessed us with blessings in the spiritual realm, in heavenly places, in Christ. So it's really true that this verse right here is talking about spiritual blessings or blessings that are in the spirit realm. But see, that's what faith is for. That's what faith is for. Remember in in Hebrews chapter 11 how it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, or it's the evidence of those blessings that exist in the spiritual realm but you can't see them yet. That's what faith is for. Faith is for you to be able to take and draw blessings out of the spiritual realm into the natural realm, or you might say into the physical realm. That's what faith is for. If I can see it and touch it, I don't have to try to draw it out of the spiritual realm, do I? I mean, I don't have to use my faith to draw this flower bouquet out of the spiritual realm. But if we didn't have a bouquet up here and I wanted one up here. And at that point we didn't have the money to buy a bouquet. If we didn't have the money to buy it right then and we didn't have one, then I could use my faith and I could draw bouquet of flowers, literally, out of the spiritual realm and draw it into the physical realm with my faith. So this verse says that He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the spiritual realm or in the heavenly realm, and then He gave me faith He gave me faith. He intended for me to take my faith and draw those blessings out of the spiritual realm and get them into the physical realm. Not to just let them sit over there in the spiritual realm, unused. Just there, not being put to any good use. See, faith takes what's in the spirit realm and draws it. According to Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is talking about Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Well, what he's talking about is calling those things that be not in the physical realm as though they were because they really are over in the spiritual realm already. Just like healing tonight. Healing already exists in the spiritual realm. Your body physically may be saying... I'm not healed. But in the spiritual realm, your healing is already bought, paid for, and laid up for you. And you just draw it out of the spiritual realm with your faith by calling those things that be not as though they were. You draw it out of the spiritual realm and you bring it into the physical realm. Amen? And that's what happened with salvation. Jesus didn't pay the price for you one minute before you got saved. Jesus paid the price for you 2,000 years ago. You were literally saved 2,000 years ago. The day he rose from the dead, you were literally already saved. In the sense of it was already done for you. Your salvation already existed in the spiritual realm. And so all you did was by confessing with your mouth, you said something like, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus is my Savior and that He died for me on the cross and that He was risen from the dead. And I receive Him as my Savior right now. Right then, you drew salvation out of the spiritual realm and it became a reality in your life. You were saved. You were recreated. You drew something that already was there out of the spiritual realm. Every lost person in the whole world, did you know salvation is already right there for them in the spiritual realm? It's right there, isn't it? With confession, they drew it out. The same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. With your mouth, by calling things that be not as though they were. One day someone led you in a prayer and you said, Father, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. And you said probably something like this. I thank you for it. And at that moment, God baptized you in the Holy Ghost. And utterance began to bubble up out of your innermost being. An utterance in other tongues because God baptized you in the Holy Ghost. But you had to draw it out with your mouth. You drew it out with your mouth. You literally did. And so it's the same with these blessings that exist in the spiritual realm. All the blessings. That would include salvation, baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing. Every blessing that God has prepared for you in the spiritual realm. With our faith, we can draw them out of the spiritual realm. And we draw them into the physical realm. Amen. We're in Ephesians. Look in verse 4. It says, According as he hath chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery. Of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things, after the counsel. Of his own will. Now, I want you to notice there that every verse we read from chapter 4, verse 4 down to verse 11, that every verse we read there is written past tense. It's all written past tense. So, in other words, there in verse 4, it says that he hath chosen us in him. You are already chosen. It's past tense. It's already done. He's not going to choose you one day. He didn't even choose you on the day you got saved. He hath chosen you past tense. you know when He chose you? He didn't even choose you on the day Jesus died on the cross. When did He choose you? Well, that verse tells us. Before the foundation of the world. That's right. Before the foundation of the world, He hath chosen us. In verse 6 there, He says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You are not going to be accepted in the Beloved. You are already accepted in the Beloved. You're already accepted in the Beloved. It's past tense. It's already done. Amen. Verse 7 in whom we have redemption, past tense, you see that, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. You already have redemption. You already have forgiveness of sins. You already have it. Verse 8, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. You've already been abounded towards. He's already abounded towards you. Did you know you already have abundant wisdom? It's in those spiritual places in those heavenly places you have abundant wisdom don't say I don't have wisdom you're calling God a liar he said you have he hath abounded towards you in wisdom you already have wisdom amen you already have prudence he said there I looked up that word cause I wasn't real sure what it meant and the definition of prudence was insight I already have insight Well, man, we need insight don't we Oh, praise God. And we already have it. Verse 9, he says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, he's already made the mystery of his will known to you. He's already made it known to you. In verse 11, let's skip down to there. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. You already have an inheritance. You already have an inheritance. In the world system, you have to die to get, for your kids to get an inheritance, don't you? Isn't that how it works? And for you to get an inheritance, one of your relatives has to die. But in God's system, we got our inheritance when He died, not when we die. See, if you listen to most Christians, they'll say, Oh, when you get to heaven, you're going to get an inheritance. When you get to heaven, you're going to get a reward. They're waiting until they die. But listen, we got our inheritance when Jesus died. I already have an inheritance. You already have an inheritance. Amen? Praise God. Now, that's important that we know that. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So just turn over two books. Verse 15. We're talking about our heavenly account. We're talking about you having something in spiritual places or in the heavenly places Look at verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now there he starts talking about us having an account, doesn't he? And then in verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So He talks to us about our heavenly account here. That's the subject beginning in verse 15. Look in verse 15 again. He said, No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. There is two parts to our heavenly account. In our heavenly account, you have to give into it. But you also have to receive from it. It's the same way with your checking account down here at Regions Bank. You better give into it if you want to receive from it. It's very dumb to try to receive from it when you hadn't given into it. Isn't that correct? Can you get in big, major trouble about that? You can. Some of you know you've already done that once, and you said, I'm never going to do that again. It's also dumb for us to just give into that account and give into that account and give into that account and then just pretend it doesn't exist and just leave it sitting there and never, never write a check on that account. Oh, I can't pay my electric bill. Well, just write a check out of that account. No, 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 I I wouldn't want to do that. If you do that, then Regions Bank's just loaning your money out to somebody else. They're loaning it out. You can just let it sit there, and they're glad about it. Man, they're really glad about it. But it's not going to benefit you anything. Well, see, our heavenly account, we have to give into it, but we have to receive from it. Now, the Holy Ghost spoke to me in the prayer room, and he said that we needed to become proficient harvesters. That was a Holy Ghost Unction, a Holy Ghost word. You need to write things like that down because there's Holy Ghost behind it. And you can say those things over yourself. I didn't come up with that on my own. That we need to be proficient harvesters in the churches all over the nation, all over the world. The people of God, because they love God and because they know how wonderful and how good God has been to them, have been very proficient givers. They have become very, very, very proficient at giving. But most of them, most Christians are not very proficient at harvesting. We've not been very good at drawing out of our heavenly account. We've believed to prosper, we've given and we believed to prosper but we've kind of left it up to God. Just believing that one day if we just keep giving, if we give long enough, if we give enough if we just keep on, if I just keep on and if I just give and if I just give and if I just keep on giving, one day God is finally going to do something and He's going to prosper me. But the fact is the very first day I gave an offering God wanted to start prospering me that day. See, we've acted like that you had to build it up to to some humongous account and then finally one day God would bless us. But you know what? You can go down here to Regents Bank and I think you have to have $100 to open an account. I believe that's correct. You could go down to that bank and you can put $100 in and you can start drawing from that account immediately. Now, you won't be able to draw very long on just $100. They don't make you build up to a certain point before you can start drawing on that account, do they? No, in fact, even though they make you start with a hundred dollars, you can run that count down to one dollar in that account. You can run it way down there, and you still have an account. They don't really care if you keep a hundred dollars in it. They just make you start with a hundred. Well, God doesn't even make you start with a hundred. And you don't have to wait till you build up this humongous. But some of us have acted like that. And I mean literally, now this is truth, literally, we have been given for years. Given for years. I mean given and given, even sacrificially. I'm talking about giving and giving and giving some more and coming to church again and giving again and seeing somebody with a need and giving again and pastors taking a special offering and we give again, just keeping reaching in, in, in the pocket, in the plate in the pocket, in the plate. You know, you've heard that. over oh, And just over and over and over again, but never drawing it out and just believing that one day God was going to do something. Because He knows I'm a giver. And He does know you're a giver, that one day God's going to do something and He's going to start prospering. But you know what, family? We're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. That's the truth. Now, in verse 17 there of Philippians, not because I desire a gift, Paul said, But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul tells us we have an account, and he says that when we give, it puts fruit or it puts something into our account, doesn't it? And then in verse 19, it says, But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How does he supply your need? Out of that account. He didn't totally change the subject. He supplies your need of verse 19 out of the account in verse 17 that you gave into in verse 15. You gave into it in verse 15. In verse 17, you find out when you gave, you had an account. In verse 19, all of a sudden, now you have a need. How does God meet your need? Out of your account. Out of your account. If we think about this, these talk about accounts, This God couldn't be talking about heaven here. Because you don't need a bank account in heaven. There are no needs in heaven. Philippians 4.19 cannot be talking about heaven, can it? My God shall supply all of your need. Can he be talking about heaven there? Because there are no needs in heaven. The needs are in Philippians 4.19. They're earthly needs. You have needs on this earth. And so he meets the needs of verse 19. He meets them out of verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You have an account. You have a heavenly bank account. It's just as simple as that. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's as simple as that. You have a heavenly bank account. I have said this, that your, your heavenly account should be more real to you than your earthly account. I got to thinking. I'm telling you what, it was like an error that went in my spirit. I mean, something hit me about that. I caught it. And all of a sudden, and I'm telling you, ever since then, my heavenly account has been so real to me. It has been so real. And so one day I just kind of roughly got a pencil. And, you know, I, can't go, I, I couldn't do for sure. But we got baptized in the Holy Ghost in January first, 1980. Now, before that, we gave to our church. Had no revelation of giving. Giving was never taught. I don't remember ever hearing a sermon on tithing. Although, I remember hearing references to tithing, but to ever have it explained, I don't ever remember having heard it explained. I've heard reference to tithing. And, you know, uh, I guess what I heard was, we're going to receive tithes and offerings or whatever. I don't even know what they say. I know that it wasn't a big deal to us. We had those little envelopes in Sunday school, and we would write out a check um, before Sunday school and put it in the little envelope. On the little envelope, it said, Daily Bible Reading, check. Check attendance, check, I mean you got these little check marks if you did all that stuff. Really, I think I put the money in the envelope just so I could put a check on the envelope, you know, that I did give an offering. Just no revelation. There's something about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost that causes the scales to fall off your eyes. And all of a sudden it's just like you see things you've never seen before. And so immediately just had a revelation of the tithe. Nobody even really had to teach it. Nobody even really had to explain it. It's just all of a sudden I understand. I'm supposed to tithe. I'm supposed to give offerings. And so we began to give offerings. That was a time we were farming so we had money to give. And so we began to give these offerings. And so ever since then we've just given and Given and given and given and given. We heard a pastor. I remember one time, I don't remember a lot of things he said about the offering, but I remember one time him talking about, you know, giving in every offering, and he talked about $1 soldiers. I'll just never forget that way he said that $1 soldiers. He was talking about himself, and he said, I've got a lot of $1 soldiers out there. And he was talking about that even when you don't have anything else to give, you can usually give a dollar. You know, and he just talked about that. And so, I don't know, we just caught it. And plus, right after that, 1982, God called us into the ministry and we began pastoring a church. From that perspective, we wanted to set the example. I mean, you want to set the example for your people. And so we just began giving. And then, you know, also we had a lot of financial needs. We had quit farming and now we were just pastoring. And all of a sudden, we had a lot and lot and lot of financial needs. And so, you know, I'm giving my way into prosperity. I'm doing just what I told you all ago. I'm just giving, 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 and I'm never drawing. I don't know how to draw. No one's ever taught me to draw on my heavenly account. I don't know how to draw. Oh, I'm not saying I don't in a limited way, because I'd pray and say, Oh, Father, you know, we need to pay the rent. And, you know, and so I'd pray that, that, but not in an authoritative sort of way. More in a just, oh God, please help us some way pay the rent. Not knowing that I have a heavenly account. Now, I call it out in the name of Jesus. I have a right to it. It belongs to me. See, there's all the difference in the world in that perspective, isn't there? I mean, it's a different perspective. And so I didn't know. And so I started just roughly figuring up Because he said, you know how wealthy we are if you consider your heavenly account more than you consider your checking account. Now, most people could look at my checking account. They were going by what they see. They might not say how wealthy I was. But I figured up. And I figured a conservative estimate is that this woman, your pastors, ought to be worth about $10 million. That I, That's what I've got in heaven. About te- I'm a millionaire. Amen. Family, you, you know, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm, now I really believe and know that we are millionaires. Amen? Because it's there and it's at my disposal. And so, you know, when I got a revelation of that, I thought, and i believe in a $1,300 to build a fence behind my house? That is nothing. If you've got $10 million in the bank, what is $1,300? That is blow-your-nose-on money. If you've got $10 million, I mean, you, that is just nothing. That's pocket change, $1,300 or something. And, and then there's other things that I was believing for, and I'm just thinking, man, that is nothing. I think I'll just order all of it out right now. Because I've got this heavenly account that I've been given in for years. And you know what? You do too. You do too. You do too. Because, and we're going to see this in a minute. Turn to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Are you ready to distribute and willing to communicate? That's talking about communicating with your money right there. It's talking about being always ready to give. In verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, we think of eternal life because we've been religiously brainwashed instead of spiritually taught. We think of eternal life as I'm laying up in store for myself. Oh, when I die, I'll go to heaven. That's not what eternal life is. Eternal life is zoe life. It's life as God has it. And yes, of course, it includes the fact that you will go to heaven, but that's just one little part of it. That is eternal zoe is what it is. Eternal zoe, or eternal life as God has it. Life as God has it. You have life as God has it. Do you think God's poor? No. And He has given you eternal zoe. Eternal life as God has it. Do you think God's sick? Do you think He's got a headache today? Do you think He's frustrated? Do you think He's condemned or guilty? Do you think he has, he's got any relationship problems? No. He's got eternal Zoe and he's given you eternal Zoe. Now let's read that verse in light of that, verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. Can't be talking about heaven there because why would we need to prepare for the time to come? To me, the way it says that there, it's talking about the bad times coming. And you're not going to have any bad times in heaven. And so he says, laying up for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal Zoe. Eternal life as God has it. That you might lay hold on eternal life as God has it. So he says there, he tells us to lay up in store. And look there in verse 19, he said, for themselves. You have to do it for yourself. No one else can lay up in your heavenly account. No one else can lay up in your heavenly account. You have to do it. Amen? And he says there, against the time to come. It's your security for the time to come. Now, when we were going to uh, one of the seminars that we were doing, the Holy Ghost spoke to me, and he told me to tell the people in the seminar that they were secure because of their giving not because of their savings. Now, that doesn't even take a rocket scientist to figure that out in the days that we live in. You don't even have to be scientific or business-minded, or you don't even have to have a college education to know that that there is not any security in the world's system of finances. I know that we have a Federal Reserve that's back in your deposits, but how many of you know that even that is not, you know, the ultimate guarantee? You know, in prayer school a couple of weeks ago, I read you the letter from Paul and Barbara Dodge in Russia. And, you know, oh, it's a good thing they have a heavenly account, isn't it? Because he was telling us how now, because Russia's economy has totally collapsed, the people who had money in the banks, they go to their banks every day. They stand out in front of the banks. The banks don't open because the banks don't have any money. And if you did get your money out, your rubles, the value of the ruble has so fallen that now it takes like, it takes a one quarter of a month's wages to buy a bottle of cooking oil in Russia. And he talked about the missionaries that are in Russia right now, of whom we know several, that now they cannot receive money. Like even if this church said, man, my heart's moved, I want to send money to Paul and Barbara Dodge in Kovarov, Russia. Okay, I'm going to send this money. That When you try to wire money to them, most of the time it's either lost or stolen. You, they never get the money. So we can't get money into them. The only way that we're going to be able to get any U.S. dollars into them is that there's some people going from America, they're going over there, and they're taking money in their suitcases. Well, really not even in their suitcases, that's not safe either. When we went to Russia, they slid our suitcases open, ran their hands down inside of them, They do that. That is common in the Moscow airport. Very common. You can't even put it in your suitcase. What you do, they made us these little bags out of fabric that opened and velcroed shut. And then they had a little string or a ribbon around them. And we wore that little ribbon around our neck with our money under our clothes. That's how you have to function in those countries. Now, I know, praise God for the United States. I'm believing because the United States, now this is just what I'm believing, but I'm preparing my heavenly account. Because, see, I can always draw on my heavenly account. And God knows where there's money at. I believe God's got money hid out everywhere. You know, in Jesus' day, he had some hidden a lake somewhere. And he said, Peter, go put the hook in. And the first fish that you pull up, there'll be a coin in his mouth. Take the coin and pay the taxes. Amen? Do you all believe he knows where there's money at? Or whatever else we might need. Even then, he don't even need that family I believe my electricity would work without Alabama power I'm believing for signs and wonders that would be one I believe my car could ride on empty indefinitely it'd be a sign and a wonder amen I believe in ravens bringing bread amen don't y'all I believe in rocks hitting rocks and water coming out amen hallelujah I believe God's got ways he didn't even tell us in the word of God Praise God. I see I have a heavenly account. And you have a heavenly account. Amen? And God is not wanting us to wait. Oh, well, okay, now I hear that. If all else fails, if the whole money system fails, the electrical company fails, the water company fails, if all else fails, I'll draw on it. That is not pleasing your heavenly Father. He wants you to draw on it now and finance this end time harvest. He wants you to start making a pull with your faith and saying, money cometh to me now. Big money comes to me easy. Now you don't say that one day and it happened the next. You don't even usually say it one month. Oh, it might start kind of dribbling in. But I found in my experience that I had to say that a while before it kicked in. And when you say it, there's one condition. You need to believe it. Not, well, Debbie said that, so I think I'll try it. I don't like that sign. There's a church right down 69 this way, and it says, try God. Every time I go by, I get mad. Because I don't think you're supposed to try God. If it doesn't work for you, then throw him away. I think when you try God that it doesn't work. I believe in selling out to God. I believe in selling out to the Word of God. I believe people that try God are giving it a half-hearted effort, and it doesn't work for them. And then they give Christianity a bad name. Because they tithe two weeks and thought they would have the hundredfold return and you don't even get the hundredfold return on your tithe. See, your tithe just opens your heavenly account. You can't just tithe and then say, oh, I've got a million dollars in my account too. No, your offerings are what brings the hundred times. You bring your tithe into the storehouse, you pay your tithe on every drop of money that comes in your house. Every penny that comes in, you pay a tithe on it. You're diligent over it because you don't want any hallowed thing, any sacred thing found in your bank account or found in your pocket. You know, in the Old Testament, when they went to war and they said, now, don't touch any of the gold or the silver. Don't touch anything. And remember that guy that just couldn't stand it and he touched it and he hid it. He buried it under his tent and brought a curse on, on the whole nation of Israel. I don't understand why our finances don't get any better. Well, get that sacred thing out of your house. The tithe is holy, the Word says. Get it out of your house and get it into God's house. And then you have opened your account. That's what it takes to open the account. It takes $100 at Regents Bank. takes the tithe to open it in God's system. And then everything you give above your tithe, God multiplies it times 100. And he does that according to Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Let's look there. I'm not normally a financial minister, but, you know, God wanted me to tell you about this. Every dollar you've ever given above your tithe, God multiplied it by 100, and it is in your heavenly account as we speak. I tell you what, there's a lot of millionaires in this church. And you know what else? I got some more news for you. How many of you know that 20 years ago, this revelation that we have of the Word of God was not available and if it was it was available in a limited sense but that God is pouring more and more revelation out he's raised up faith preachers to preach this that are covering the earth with his word and so you've got grandparents that have died and went on to be with God with be with Jesus in heaven and some of them were givers and they had no revelation in fact they probably thought they were supposed to be poor and they had no revelation but I want to tell you something you're their grandchildren Amen. that's your inheritance Amen. and you can have it in the, out of their account in heaven Amen. I know I had some grandparents Granny Hixie and Grand-Gram but I'm telling you what they were givers they were sacrificial givers they always tithed and they gave up over and beyond their tithe many times yeah I know because many times they gave to our church over and beyond their tithe but I saw them give to people always giving and you know what They didn't really have a revelation on how to receive off of it. They really didn't. Now, God blessed them. I'm not saying he didn't bless them. But he didn't bless them all he could have blessed them if they'd have had more revelation. And so what I'm drawing. I'm drawing on that account. I am heir to it. And yeah, there's some other grandkids, but they don't know to draw. And before they figure it out, I'm going to have it emptied out. No, there's plenty to go around. Amen. And maybe one day they'll figure it out. Well, praise God, you have some grandparents that have some accounts in heaven, and you are heir to them. I mean, even the world would tell you that you were heir to whatever your grandparents left, wouldn't they? Whatever your parents left, they'd say, yeah, you are heir to that. They might not understand the heavenly part, but you do. So we've got some accounts to start drawing on. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake in the Gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So, he's telling us how God figures finance. You give something for the gospel's sake. You give up something for the gospel's sake. And family, when you give offerings, you know you are giving up something. You could go to Walmart. You could go to Parisian. You could go out to eat. You could go on a cruise. I tell you what, for what some of you have given over and beyond your Todd this year, you could take some pretty nice vacation. You could have some, some honker rings on that's when they're really big. A honker ring is when it's too big for me to believe it's really real. See, for what you've given. And no man, having given that, doesn't get God's system working in his life. And God takes what you gave and he multiplies it times 100. So if you gave $2 tonight, you've got $200 in your heavenly account. If you gave $50 tonight, you have got how much? Somebody multiply for me. $5,000. I like the way God does money. It goes further the way He does it. It goes a lot further. So I want to tell you tonight how to withdraw from your heavenly account. And I'm gonna give you some steps. And it's very simple. The first thing is decide on the amount. Decide what you're gonna draw out. And don't be double-minded about that. James 1.8 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that man cannot hope to receive anything from God. So you're going to have to get settled, and you're going to have to say, okay, this is what I'm going to draw out. Now, I tell you, I like to use me. I'm the best person I know to use for an example. I know me better than anybody. And family, that was hard for me to settle on a figure because I had these humongous financial needs at that time. In fact, if you had walked up and handed me a $100 bill... And said, God told me to give you this. Well, I mean, I'd have been gracious. I'd have thanked you. I'd have been excited about it. And I'm talking about a long time ago. Not a long time ago, but I'm talking about 10 years ago, okay? I'd have been excited about it. But after I received it, I'd have gone, but what is that against so much, so many debts, so many financial needs? And it was just like, if you gave me $100, it fell into a large hole never to be seen again. And some of you know how I felt. I mean it's like a hundred dollars. Dear God, I can't just believe you for a hundred dollars. I need five hundred million. And my faith wasn't at the place to believe for five hundred million. So, you know, I just basically just stayed frustrated and didn't draw. Family, we need to sometimes start with something really little. But I want to tell you something. George Mueller, he was a missionary for his day. He was a long, long time ago, and for his day, he had a lot of understanding of drawing from his financial account and believing God for things. And he said that when he first started out in this and he was believing for small amounts, that it was so hard, and it's true, but once you get going in this, it becomes so easy to believe for a million. It becomes as easy to believe for a million as it used to be to believe for $10 what I'm trying to tell you is don't be frustrated if you believe God for $100. Now, Father, I'm believing you for $100. I'm believing you and I'm receiving it from my heavenly account. And if it takes you a while to manifest that, that first time, don't be frustrated. Stick to it. Stick to it. It's like once you get the pipe greased, everything comes through it easier after that. But that first trip through the pipe, And even sometimes the first few trips through the pipe, it's like it's a little harder. Have a stick-to-it attitude. See, trying it doesn't work. I've already told you that. Selling out is what works. And be specific. And the more specific you are, the better. I used to believe God for seed to sow, just kind of in a general sense. And, you know, I found that that's not the best way. I found it's better to say, Now, Father here's this project that Pastor Michael has this outreach project and I'm asking you for seed to sow into that I'm found that God that God's able to help us more if we're specific but if we say okay God I'm believing you for seed to sow into that well now Pastor and I did that you know we got up here that first night we were introducing that project to you and I told y'all that we were believing to sow a thousand dollars into that project I just said that right out But then, you know, sometimes, you know, we say things out of our head. And then the Holy Ghost says something out of our heart. And so we're going on down here and we're talking to y'all. And out of my heart, and and man, I heard it the first time you heard it. I said, I believe we need to believe to sow the biggest seed we've ever given. And when I said that, I was wanting to say, come back here, words. Come back here. Come back. Come back. Come back. Because I knew that $1,000 wasn't going to cut it. And that I was going to have to get my faith out there in a bigger way. And, you know, we can be really lazy with our faith. It's like, oh, man, that's not what I'm... Christmas is coming. You know, here's a lot of things coming. And, you know, I, I didn't know if I, I... I didn't want to stretch. Lord, I'm tired of stretching. But, you know, we said that. And so we went home and, and Michael said to me, Well, you know what you said, don't you? I, yeah, I know what I said. And so we got to thinking, well, what's this biggest seed? And so we figured it out. But what we did was we just asked the Lord. We we said, now, Lord, this isn't going to cost us anything. We're believing you for seed to sow that is going to come over and beyond. And so we asked him. I'm telling you, it has been phenomenal. I'm telling you, people we don't know have sent us one check for $100, one check for $50 to Michael Billings, and we don't know who they are. And then some people we do know, now this is not even relatives. These are not relatives or anybody. We've gotten two checks for $10. We've gotten one check for um, $25. We've gotten uh, $200 in cash. We've gotten a check for $409 just asking for seed to sow and believing that somehow you're going to give us seed to sow in this project. This is your heart. This is not our heart. We didn't dream this project up. The Holy Ghost dreamed it up. There's a real purpose in this project. Family, there are some things coming that are going to shake the world. And those billboards that say, get answers, it's going to be like a road sign pointing people to where help is. And it's a Holy Ghost inspired. And we've shared it with several ministers and they go, that is Holy Ghost inspired. You couldn't have thought of that on your own. And so this is God's project. God will finance his project. All you have to do is say, God, give me seed to sow. And then when it comes, you know, when that $409 check came, I couldn't say, oh, boy, let's go buy some new whatevers. Or, oh, boy, we're going to have a pad in the checking account. Don't y'all love the pad? I mean, there's just something glorious about a pad. Well, you know what we're sowing for? We're sowing for that one month. That's what we're believing for when on our return is one month's salary in the bank. At the end of the month, when when, when the month's over, you've got one month in the bank. Amen. Amen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen for you. It's going to happen for you. But you need to believe God for seed to sow. And then you need to recognize it when you get it. And you know what? When you get it, you need to tithe off of it first. Amen. Amen? Don't sow the whole thing. If you get a $400 check in the mail, you tithe 40 and give 360. 360 is seed, 40 is tithe. I mean, your mind would say, What? I'm giving it all. God, why are you so picky? I am giving the whole thing. Can't you see that? He wants you to be very careful over the tithe. And so you tithe 40 and you give 360. So, you know, given into this project, we've nearly, we're not quite there, but we've nearly gotten. Uh, over our goal but we told the Lord well we won't stop there we'll be the whole funnel if you want us to God just flow it through this house just flow it through this house I tell you what it's fun to handle God's money so you decide on amount the second thing is agree that it's already yours you need to get an agreement with the Word of God that you have an account that it's in your account you've got to have confidence that you have an account and that it belongs to you. Matthew 18, 19 says, We're two or more agree. Get an agreement with the Word. And if you can, get an agreement with a spouse. But get an agreement, if you're single, get an agreement with the Word of God. I have a heavenly account. And then number three, lay hold on it. Lay hold of it. Lay hold on it, whatever you want to say. Like we read there in 1 Timothy 16, 19. He said, lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal Zoe. Mark eleven twenty three 23 also tells us about laying hold. He says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And so you you begin to say it, and you begin to lay hold on it by saying it. Number four, bind the devil and his forces in the name of Jesus. Bind the devil from your money. Matthew 18, 18 says, Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You have authority over the devil. Bind him against your finances. Matthew 12, 29, and we won't turn there, but it says that if, you, if you're going to spoil the strong man, you're going to have to bind him, doesn't it? If you spoil the strong man's house, you have to bind the strong man is what it says. And so you need to bind the devil away from your finances. Now, you don't have to walk around all day and every day binding the devil, but you're going to have to tell him, take your hands off my finances. Take your hands off the money that I believe for. That's my heavenly account. And then the fifth thing is you loose the ministering spirits or the angels to cause what you've laid hold of to come. And that's according to Hebrews 14. i I'm going to read that to you. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? The angels have been given to minister for you. They're supposed to help us get the job done. They can't do the job, but they can help us get the job done. They cannot win people to the Lord, but they can help you and they can influence people. They can influence people. See, if a demon spirit can influence a pe- people to do bad things, and anytime someone is a serial killer or a murderer of any kind or commits suicide, family, it was a demon spirit influencing them. Well, if a demon spirit can influence for horrible things, angels can influence for good things. So angels can influence men to give to you, to give you seed to sow. Amen? Amen? That's exactly how it works. So you need to start believing for it. And you need to dispatch your angels to do that. And then praise God for having already received. And that's, of course, according to Mark 11:24. 24. In, in Mark 11, 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. You don't believe you receive it the day you get it. You believe you receive it now. Oh, thank you, Lord, I have seed to sow. Oh, and you know what? Oh, I tell you. And this is really the truth. Sometimes when, when you believe God for something, well, all the time, you know, and it comes, it's like, have you ever been where? work? Well, I don't know why I'm not more excited about this. You know why? Because it wasn't a surprise. You expected it. You already rejoiced. You rejoiced when you believed you received it. And so when it comes, it's just like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, and it's like, because you already thanked the Lord for it. You already praised him for it. You already got excited about it. When somebody gets real excited when you do something for them, that's a good sign they weren't even believing for it. Because if they had believed, they'd already know it was coming. Recently, God led us to do something for somebody, something kind of big for somebody, the church. Uh, and um, and pastor called them and told them, and they said, just a minute, i got to hang up the phone and shout. And when they said that, I thought, you know, they weren't in faith about that. God's grace just reached out there and gave it to them but they really weren't believing or they wouldn't have had to lay the phone down and run around the room and shout and scream and holler they'd have just been going oh yeah well that's good thanks pastor and that was this was a mission missions type thing so you know God's done some things for you that you weren't believing for but he wants you to start believing him for some big things amen you need to empty out your heavenly account empty it out sow it again And your count will just go up times 100. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, we need to learn to get in the flow. We need to learn to get in the flow. When the Holy Ghost, when the flow is given, guess what you're supposed to do? Yeah, because that's the flow. When the flow is uh, rejoicing and shouting, what are you supposed to do? Because that's the flow. A lot of people say, I don't hear God. Well, if you'd get in the flow. If you'd do what the flow's doing... If you, When the flow's running, you're supposed to run. When the flow's dancing, you're supposed to dance. When the flow's, when, I, when we're shouting, you're supposed to shout. And some people just stand there and say, I don't hear from God. Well, get in the flow. Amen. You want some seed to sow? Ask the Lord. Say, I want to be in the flow, and that's the flow right now. Amen.